You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Well, hey, I am excited to share with you guys tonight, and uh, I just want to focus on the Holy Spirit, and I want to just share, start off a little bit talking about some of my own story, and I know you guys have heard maybe the story of our family some, and uh, it obviously affects us all differently, but part of my story was uh, when I was around 14 years old, I, I started getting taken down this road, um, you know, pulled towards the ways of this world, and a lot of the things of the world were available to me, and those types of friends were strongly attracting me, and I remember just this tug in my heart, and, and I knew who God was, and I knew, um, you know, I grew up in the church, and I grew up in worship, I grew up in Sunday nights, I had all that, but I kind of came to this place in my life saying, is God really real? And, uh, and so it was around 15 years old where I started to test kind of the ways of this world, and then I had a youth leader come up to me that summer and said, Bryce, I want to challenge you to take this summer and, and see if God is real in your life. He knew I was struggling. And so he was like, I want you to take all the time you would watching TV, playing video games, watching movies, and take that time. Instead of doing those things, I want you to spend time praying and reading the Bible and worshiping. And I looked at him like, dude, you're crazy. A 15-year-old? Like, what am I supposed to do all summer? That's what we do, right? We watch movies, we stay up late, eat pizza rolls, stay up till 2 a.m., playing video games, Ken Griffey Jr. at the time, you know, like, that's what I'm supposed to do. But I was like, I'm kind of like an all or nothing kind of person. We bought a house from the 1950s two years ago, hadn't been touched since the 50s, and I'm like, we're going to buy it, babe. We're going to go all in. And we remodeled this thing. Like, that's just who I am. I'm all in. I'm all or nothing. And so I was like, all right, I'll give it a try for a month. And if this thing isn't real, then I just, I don't want it. And so I remember that first morning I woke up and we lived about eight blocks from the church. So I ran to the church and our janitor Rick was there early in the morning. So I'd sneak in through the doors. I'd go to the auditorium and, and beneath the auditorium, there was a piano down underneath the stage and I, you know, our, our family's kind of musical, and so I knew how to play the piano some. But at that point, like, reading the Bible had become like Chinese to me. Praying was like talking to the wall, and I just didn't really know how to connect with God. And so I sat down at the piano, and I flipped open to Psalms, Psalms 34, and, and I just was like, I don't know what to do. Isaiah said I'm supposed to come and spend time with God, and so here I am, and so I just started like playing the piano and I played C, G, A minor, F. For those of you who are musicians, you know that's a go-to chord progression. So I just started playing it and then I just started singing the Psalms. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it was a little awkward. But then I, I was like, started to sing some of my thoughts and I started to sing some of my prayers and all of a sudden I found myself 10 minutes turned into 15 minutes, turned into 20 minutes, turned into 40 minutes. And after a week of this, I found myself waking up in the morning hungry and eager to go to the church because I was entering into the presence of Jesus. At 15 years old, had nothing to do with me, but had everything to do with a God who says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. It's a promise. It's a principle. 
And I found that out at a young age because I'm so grateful that I did. I think I saved myself and my family and my parents a lot of heartache by, by pursuing God at a young age. And I just remember after a month of doing this, I remember being at a Sunday night service similar to this and I just was hungry for God at this point. And I was in the back corner in our balcony and they were singing a song, let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven. And I just had this phrase on my mind just saying, God, I want more. I want more. I want more. And I just remember praying that out loud, using my mouth, using the vocal cords God gave me. God, I want more. And all of a sudden, it was like a bolt of electricity hit me. And I tangibly felt the presence of God. Now, I have been electrocuted because I've been remodeling a house the other day. I was changing a a switch out, and I literally flew back. It was was like that. God hit me. I fell to the ground. No one was around me. For five minutes, the Holy Spirit took control of my body, and it was from that point on where I said, God, I want nothing else. I want to live for nothing else than you. Now, I haven't been perfect since, but I can tell you this, that the Holy Spirit has been a key part of my life. And I'm not just talking about at church. I'm talking about my, thunder, my Monday through Saturday. The Holy Spirit's been a key part of my life in following Jesus. And today I want to talk about the forgotten God. Francis Chan writes this book called The Forgotten God, and that's what I'm titling it. I'm totally ripping him off. Saves me the hassle of having to be creative. But it's this idea in the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Man, we all love to talk about the the love of the Father, right? We talked about it this morning. We love to talk about the grace of Jesus. And then it's kind of like the Holy Spirit. He's kind of the weird one, right? He's the ghost, the Holy Ghost. Weird things happen with the Holy Ghost. And you find it today in churches. It's, it's kind of the, the one of the three that we're just not sure how to talk about that person in the Godhead. And so, so let's stick with God the Father. Let's stick with God the Son. And, and once in a while, let's just reference God the Holy Spirit. But I just don't think that's meant to be for the Christian life. And so oftentimes, the Holy Spirit becomes the for, forgotten God, much like my, my middle brother, Drew. There's something, there, there's benefits to being the middle brother, and there's downfalls. I don't know what the benefits are, you can tell me, but I do know the downfalls of being the middle brother. I think it was two years in a row, when he was a kid, we forgot his birthday. It was a week, a week later, we are like, wait, it was Drew's birthday last week. Now, God's done healing in his life, we can minister to him afterwards. But it's, it's the case of like the Holy Spirit oftentimes gets forgotten. And, and I want to bring you to this key scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 14. Now it is the very last thing Paul writes to the Corinth church, to our knowledge. It's his last letter. It's his last phrase. And how many of you know Paul likes to squeak as much things in his letters as he possibly can? Some of his sentences is like, wow, you just touched on 10 things in one period, right? And so Paul squeezes one last thing in his letter to the church of Corinth. And this is what he says. He says, I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the heavenly father 
and the fellowship or the relationship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He's saying, I pray that you would understand the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, when it comes to the the Trinity, the one thing we need to know is that, man, Jesus was the one who brought grace for our sins. He's like, never forget that. And then he says, never forget the love of a father. That's something we have to hold tightly to, that we are sons and daughters of the living God, that we have been adopted, we are children of God, that he loves us. He says, don't forget that truth. And then he says, but don't forget to have relationship with the Holy Spirit. Of the three, now, we're supposed to have relationship with Jesus, relationship with the Father, but here he's saying, make sure you don't forget to have relationship, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Of the three, he, of having relationship with, he's emphasizing it with the Holy Spirit. And so to me, it's saying, I'm supposed to have I'm supposed to know the love of the Father. I'm supposed to know the grace of Jesus. But, but I need to know what does it look like to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit in my life. And today I want to go to Luke chapter 3 verse 15 where Jesus is kind of setting the stage for his ministry. In fact, he's talking about John the Baptist. And he says this, it says, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all. He says, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. But he will come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Here it says that the people were waiting expectantly. In the very beginning, it says they were waiting expectantly. If you dive deep into that, it's, this, it's alluding to this idea of hunger. They were hungry for something more. Now, if you've ever been a place of hunger, you know that we're willing to act differently and think differently, right? If we're hungry for food, man, when my kids are hungry for food, it just, it goes berserk. We lose control. We need to do something. We need to stop at McDonald's and get a burger because just things get out of control when when people are hungry. In fact, I was thinking back to another Boundary Water trip. See, Boundary Water is great for pastors. It provides great sermon illustrations. There was a time we went, uh, I was with my brothers, and the thing about the Boundary Water is you, you have to catch your suppers. So if you don't have good fishing, you're going to be pretty hungry come supper time. And so it was a light day of fishing. We had not done very well. So supper time, there's nine hungry guys sitting around the fire and, and a slim plate of fish. And my dad's over there cooking it and we're all quiet, watching, making sure he's not snitching any. And then he calls one of my friends over to come bring the plate of fish over to the group of the nine hungry guys. And, and so one of my friends gets up and he grabs the plate. And he probably is the most clumsy friend of them all. You know where this is going. And the Boundary Water is not, not nicely paved campsites, okay? It's rocks, it's branches. And, and his foot catches a branch and all of a sudden, it's like that slow motion moment. You see the fish flying through the air and it gets seasoned with nature and it was silence we weren't sure if we should try to redeem the fish or kill our friend and throw him in the lake no one would know right 
And it was amazing because here we are, we're dusting this fish up and it's amazing what nine hungry guys will do when they're hungry. We're willing to act differently and think differently. And that's the place where the, 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 the people of Israel were at at this time. The Jewish people, they were hungry. They were oppressed. It was a season of difficulty at this moment in time. God had not spoken for over 400 years. They had not heard from God. They were under Roman oppression, and they were hungry for something. And so it starts off in verse 15. It says, the people were waiting expectantly. And I'm asking myself, how often am I hungry? Am I waiting expectantly for more? You see, because when we're in an environment, in a season of hunger, man, it's the perfect ingredients for God to show up and do something significant in your life. That was the opportune time for God to send the Savior of the world because the people were hungry. They were willing to think and act differently, to do things different. And, and I'm asking myself, I'm asking you tonight, when was the last time you were hungry for God to do something in your life? When was the last time you were, you were hungry where you said, God, my, my job is great, but God, I need to know, I am hungry to know what is my purpose here on this earth beyond just bringing in a paycheck? God, I'm hungry to know. Or when was the last time you said, God, I love my family time. I love bringing my kids to all the different events. But God, I am hungry as a parent for my kids to encounter you in a real and mighty way. God, I'm willing to change up my schedule. I'm willing to do things differently for my kids to know you. When was the last time in in your marriage where you said, you know what? Me and my wife, we're pretty good roommates. We get along for the most part. Me and my spouse, But God, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for for my marriage, not just to be status quo, but God, I'm hungry to have a a thriving marriage, God, that is filled with you, a God-filled marriage in my life, God, and I'm willing to do something different in my marriage. I am hungry. College students, when the last time that you were hungry? You said, man, I'm, I'm well on my way to get a degree, but at the end of this time, God, I'm so hungry that if all I get is a diploma, that's not enough for me. God, I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry to step into my calling and my destiny for my life. God, my diploma is not enough. God, I am hungry and I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to think and act differently. God, I'm hungry. That's where the people were at. They were at a place of hunger and it was the perfect time for Jesus to show up and set the stage for the Holy Spirit. And you might say, wait, wasn't it all about Jesus? Yes, but Jesus, if you look at his life, he spent most of his time preparing his disciples to say, hey, don't get comfortable with me because there's going to be one that comes after me. And Jesus says, it's better, in fact, that I leave so I can send the Holy Spirit to you which sounds mind-boggling to us. I think about the day and age we live in, this moment right now. I'm like, Jesus, it would be so great if you were in the earth right now. Wouldn't it? I mean, the time and, and, and the things that are going on around our globe and our nation, man, Jesus, how could you say it would be better for you not to be here? But you're saying, Jesus, that right now in the year 2020 and in the, in the chaos of our world, that it's better that we have the Holy Spirit than you on this earth? Jesus would say yes. Who am I to argue with Jesus? The omniscient, all-knowing God. 
who was here from the very beginning. And so Jesus says, yes, it's better that I go away. Why? Because he intended for you, for the Holy Spirit, to be part of every person's life here. Jesus intended for you and I, every believer who has a relationship with God, to walk in the Spirit. And I love what Galatians 5.16 says. This has become a life verse. I think I've said that about 10 verses. I have a lot of life verses. But you should. There's a lot of verses to memorize, and they're all good. But this one, it says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not flesh. Fill, you will not satisfy the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, you and I, we, we live in a cell phone world. And if you're like me, I get a lot of notifications that go off on my phone. I get emails, I get, you know, messenger, I get text messages, voicemail. But I also have children who like to play games on my phone. Strawberry Shortcake, Bubble Blaster, you know, the PJ Mask Racer, all those things. And, and they don't read. They just, if something pops up, they just press Yes, the green button, which is oftentimes, do you want to turn the notifications on? And they click yes. And so I constantly have all these like strawberry shortcake, you know, notifications going off. And there is a new, you know, accessory available for your strawberry shortcake. And, and I have all these notifications going off throughout the day and they're supposed to help me. And, and they don't. That's the whole point of it. But, but I, I think about Holy Spirit, have I turned my spiritual notifications on? The Holy Spirit is, I think he's, he's trying to notify us throughout our day. Trying to get that spiritual bone buzzing in our pocket, in our hearts, in our minds. And so I'm asking today, hey, let's turn on the spiritual notifications. And what do those notifications look like? What does it look like to walk in the Spirit? To have a daily relationship with the Holy Spirit? And here's what I've learned over my life with the Lord and life with the Holy Spirit from that moment I encountered the Holy Spirit to today, here's some key roles that the Holy Spirit plays in my life beyond providing the gifts of the Spirit. We love to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but those are, those are freely given. Those have nothing to do with our relationship with Him. And See, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to just be this the Santa Claus in our life that gives us gifts, he wants to have relationship with us. And so what does the relational side look like? First, it looks like this. This is a fun one. It's conviction. Isn't that fun? <laughs> like, oh man, that sounds like such a harsh, cold word, right? Conviction. John 16, seven through eight, it says, but in fact, it's best for you. This is Jesus talking. It's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate or the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you. And when he comes, catch it out. He will convict you, convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. Like, wow, bummer. That doesn't sound exciting. Maybe, Jesus, you should have stayed because then I could have lived my life conviction-free and not feeling convicted all the time, right? But I think we need to change our definition of conviction. You see, this is what conviction really is. Conviction is simply a father trying to restore a relationship with their child. It's a father reminding its child of who he's created them to become. Conviction 
isn't reminding you of who you've been or what you've done. That's what the enemy does. The enemy is the great accuser. He reminds you of your mistakes. But conviction is the father saying, no, you're going off course of where I've called you to be. Remember, I created you to become this. I remember back when uh, Eden and I had Cohen and he was two years old and we brought him on a walk. Now, Cohen, for some reason, like most kids, didn't want to sit in this nicely cushioned stroller with an umbrella over top and a ice cold water here and snacks over here. Like, that sounds like heaven to me, right? Someone pushing you down the street, just riding, cruising. He didn't want that. No, he wanted to get out and walk. So we let him walk. And then he wanted to get behind the stroller and he wanted to push the stroller. And then I would try to steer the stroller over top of him because he could not steer the stroller. He could not see over the stroller. And so he's trying to push the stroller. And, and the moment I would reach out to touch the stroller, he would freak out. He'd have one of those two-year-old tantrums. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. And I wouldn't touch it. And then he would take the stroller, he would push it, and he would go off the side, off the road, into the rocks. He'd fall down, scrape his knee, cry. We'd get him back up there. And we're like, all right, that's why dad's got to help you, Right? So he starts wanting to push it again. And the moment I touch it, the same episode happens again. He freaks out. I let go. He goes into the side. He falls down, scrapes his knees over and over. And I'm thinking, man, what's with this two-year-old, right? There's no reasoning with this child. And I, and I think about how often does our father say, man, there's no reasoning with this 32-year-old named Bryce. So many times he's trying to, to drive his own life. And he's and he won't let me reach over and help guide him and direct him. And, and, and Bryce is just trying to drive his own life. And he, he drives it off the road into the rocks. And he falls down and he gets hurt. Doesn't he know that if he would just let me help him, I could help him stay on the path and stay out of the, the brokenness and the hurt of sin? You see, sin is meant to destroy you and to hurt you. Sin is not fun. And the Holy Spirit is simply there to help convict us and to keep us on the path out of the rocks and the destruction of sin in our marriage, in our relationships, in our job. You see, the Holy Spirit is something, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is something that when we truly understand the purpose of it is something that we should say, oh God, help me. Please, God, I invite the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. It's, if it's going to save me from heartache, if it's going to save me from destroying my marriage, if it's going to save me from ruining relationships with my kids, Holy Spirit, I want to invite the conviction of the, the Holy Spirit into my life every day of the week. So I asked this question, when was the last time you welcomed the conviction in your life from the Holy Spirit? Where you said, Holy Spirit, I, I lay my mindset my life philosophy, my morals, my preferences in life, I lay those before you, convict me of them. Is there anything you want to change in the way that I think? Where you say, Holy Spirit, I lay my daily habits and rhythms and the things that I deem okay, and I lay those before you, and I say, Holy Spirit, convict me. If there's anything that is not helping me in my life, convict me of that. We live in a culture where, where sexual moral lines have become so great. And it's in this area where we say, Holy Spirit, evaluate this area in my life. God, what I watch, what I listen to, the things I allow my body to participate in, Holy Spirit, convict me because I know ultimately you're here to help me. 
See, the gifts of the Spirit, like I said, are freely given, but the fruit of the Spirit are intentionally grown. And oftentimes, I measure myself against the fruit of the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit's trying to grow fruit in your life, and I want to come to that at the end of our time together. The next thing the Holy Spirit, a role he plays in our life is is he wants to challenge us. 2 Corinthians says that we are fragile, empty jars of clay, which doesn't sound very impressive, but yet we're meant to hold the greatest treasure, the treasure of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, whether we want to or not, he wants to stretch you. He wants to push you past your limits. He wants to make you less like you and more like him. And, and I think about even John the, the, the Baptist, he says, I must decrease so he must increase. And John is saying, God, I don't want to be the limit. I, want, I don't want to put a cap on you. I want you to increase in my life. And so I'm not going to put a box on you. And, and how often do we try to box God in? And so maybe to think about it like this. I want, to, I want you to try to think about how much the Holy Spirit wants to stretch you. If you could think of our comfort zone in terms of distance, let's say my comfort zone at best is 20 feet high, right? I don't know if that's big or not. I feel like I'm a pretty willing, daring, adventurous guy. I'm willing to do things. So at best, my comfort zone is 20 feet high. Well, how, how big is God's comfort zone? In fact, the Bible tells us in distance how big God's comfort zone is. If you look in Isaiah 55, it says, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My comfort zone is not your comfort zone. Nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are above the earth, the heavens here is talking about the universe. He says, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He says, if you were to measure how big my ways and my thoughts and my comfort zone are, he says, measure the distance of the universe from where you're standing. And if you were to do that, I have it down, how far that truly is. You see, light travels at 100 or 186,000 miles per second. So in a snap of a finger, light will travel around the earth six times. So in one minute, that is 11 million miles. In one day, light will travel 160 billion miles. In one year, light will travel 500 trillion 865 billion 695 million miles and in 15.5 trillion light years is how far the universe is from the earth they say 15.5 trillion light years away and God is saying if you could measure from the earth to the outer edge of the universe that's how big my ways are Guys, let's not put our big God in a box. God wants to challenge you and stretch you and take you beyond things that you are comfortable. And I've found that the Holy Spirit, if I allow a relationship with the Holy Spirit in my life, Monday through Saturday, he's gonna challenge me and he's gonna stretch me and he's gonna take me beyond my comfort zone because it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about him and his lost sheep that he sent his Savior to come and save. I think about my friend Jeff a couple of years ago. You know, Jeff 
uh, him, him and his family had come to church and uh, they had that rhythm in their life. But beyond that, they hadn't really stretched themselves beyond that. And, and Jeff signed up to go on a reach trip to the Middle East and it was in a dangerous area and, and they were going to share the gospel. And, and it was during the, the reach trip, the, our mission trips meetings where uh, they would get alone and they would pray and they would seek the Holy Spirit and it was during one of those meetings where, where Jeff encountered the Holy Spirit and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I remember it began to radically change him and he went on this trip and he came back and he was different and he was letting the Holy Spirit just live in his day-to-day life. Now Jeff, is, is he, he's an ER doctor and so he sees a lot of crazy things but I just remember Jeff continuing to stretch himself further and further and not putting a cap on God. And I remember recently, just over a, a few weeks ago, you know, Jeff has said he started to pray over his patients. And he's like, I haven't gotten in trouble yet. A few weeks ago, though, there was a, a guy, a part of our church. Or no, sorry, it was a few months ago. Time goes fast. He went to the church, he had a brain aneurysm. Jeff saw him come in. And his first thought was like, he's, he's going to be dead. But he said he stopped everything and he prayed. He prayed for him and and then they life-flighted him to a different hospital across the state because that was really his only chance. And he saw me at church two weeks later. Now I knew the guy who was in the hospital and, and uh, I knew that Jeff was his doctor. And so Jeff had asked me, he was like, hey, how's so-and-so? Expected me to say, oh, he passed away. I was like, yeah, he's actually back home. His jaw dropped. It was a literal God miracle. I was like, Jeff, you prayed over him, didn't you? He's like, I did. (laughs) Now, Jeff is starting to see God work in his workplace. God's starting to to use him to do miracles, to to work through him. And he's seen miracles in the hospital. And and I'm telling you, Jeff never signed up to be a doctor for that. But but since he encountered the person of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, man, there's so much more to life than just administering it medical aid to people. I want to administer the gospel to people. You see, when we allow the Holy Spirit in our life, he, he takes our comfort zone and he enlarges it to his comfort zone. And he begins to challenge you. And the last thing I want to talk about, sorry, I'm not sure how I'm doing on time. We're doing good? Okay. The worship team wants to come up. I want to wrap this up with the last thing the Holy Spirit, the last role the Holy Spirit plays on in our life is is the role of comfort. John 14, 26, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. And then he says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Hear this word helper, in the Greek is parakaleo. It can also be translated to comforter. It says that in the end, the, the Holy Spirit, he wants to be a comforter in your life. Why is that? Because he knows that life is difficult. He knows that we're going to go through storms of life. He knows that there's sometimes we have self-inflicted wounds because of decisions that we make. And so we step into our own, own storms we created. But there's sometimes we just live in an imperfect world and bad things happen and it's difficult and it hurts and we don't understand why. And the Holy Spirit says, I am here in the morning when you wake up and you're discouraged, I'm here. 
When you're laying up bed in bed at night, you're questioning and you're asking God and things are difficult. The Holy Spirit says, I'm here. I am your comforter. It's this word called parakaleto. In fact, we get our word paramedic from it. This word para means close and beside to encourage and to help. I remember actually it was, I don't know how many years ago, quite a few years ago, this weekend, me and my wife, we were here in Iowa traveling with my brother Drew and, and his wife. And at the time, Lucy and Bryce were born and we had my son Cohen and, and Annika was in my wife's tummy. And so we were driving on one of the interstates and we ended up rolling our vehicle. And if you were to see the car, you would have saw, thought for certain that there would have been some um, extreme injuries. But I remember as we all got out of the car and we stood at the top of the hill right after the crash, I remember looking down on the car, seeing it, and I'm seeing, you know, wounds on my wife's face and, and Tanya and there's different ones and, and we were just shook up and we were frightened. And I remember not knowing what to do. But I remember when the ambulance lights came and it was like this peace. Like they got it. They've got us. They're going to take care of us. I remember when the paramedic showed up. You see, the Holy Spirit is the paracolito. He is the comforter. And at times when life just feels like it's crashing and it's out of control and we stand at the top of the hill and we look down at a situation, we're like, I don't know what to do right now. I don't understand how, how I got here, what's going on right now. And everything is so confusing. The Holy Spirit can show up in a moment and he's close beside you and he can comfort you. And I love what Jesus says because it says he will bring you peace. Not as the world gives peace that is fleeting, but a peace that surpasses all understanding. When you say it doesn't make sense right now, I should be filled with anxiety and worry. I don't have that. Because the paracolito, the, the Holy Spirit is close by my side and he brings me a peace that surpasses all understanding. Church, this is the Holy Spirit and he wants to have a relationship with you every day of the week, every hour of the day, every minute of the hour. The Holy Spirit is ever present. And I'm wondering, do we have our Holy Spirit notifications on? Are our ears tuned to the person of the Holy Spirit? Have we forgotten the person of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to invite you to stand up at this time. Part of the special, one of the special things about Sunday night is us getting into the presence of God. And uh, I'm going to invite you to spread out across this place. In fact, I encourage you to do that even if it's just like one seat over because there's something about physical action saying, God, I'm willing physically to step out and do something different to get something different. That's why baptism is so powerful because it's a physical action of a spiritual transformation. And so at this time, as the kids come in, I love this. I have never done this before in my life. <laughs> I love Pastor Drew and his heart for the whole family to encounter the God. We're going to take some time, kids, at this time, we're going to take a moment and we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit.
And here's the, the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. He does all the heavy lifting. He does all the heavy lifting. He says, if you just simply take a step from, to me, I will come running to you. You draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And so I'm gonna do this. Pastor Tony's gonna sing this song, Holy Spirit, come. And I'm gonna ask everyone to close their eyes across this place. They found through ancient study that the early church would start off their time together and they would pray this ancient prayer. And it was a simple prayer. It was a prayer that went like this, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And so right now, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit And he's going to sing this song. And I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, come. Kids, you can say that too. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Let's just say that together. Holy Spirit, come. Say it again with me. Holy Spirit, come. And as the Holy Spirit comes, say, Holy Spirit, convict me, challenge me, comfort me. Maybe there's one of those roles that you need in your life right now. And the Holy Spirit will begin to do that in your life. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.